My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a lot less basic. And this is Burn Notice, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we'll be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into those ratings, wait until the end where we'll explain them. If you want, you can fast forward to the end, listen to us talk about it, and then come back here. That is an option that is available to you. You are in control of your own life. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan or anyone involved in the Burn Notice universe, please get in touch. You can send us questions, com- suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind at all. And we mean it. This is not a joke. Mm-mm. We do not like the criticism. Nope. Our skin is thin. <laughs> we are thin-skinned dumb bitches. But anything else you want to tell us, you can send us to burnnoticepodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burnnoticepod. And that's with a D, like the name of our podcast. Mm-hmm. So, Bree, how you doing this week? Yeah, I'm all right. All right, cool. That's enough. Yeah. Let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. Let's, uh, yeah, because a lot happens this week. Season 6, episode 10, Desperate Times, which aired on August 23rd, 2012. It was written by Craig O'Neill and directed by Rennie Harlan, who is now kind of our go-to guy for big episodes. Mm-hmm. And this is a mid-season finale. Yep. It, so It is. And the premise of the episode, according to IMDb, is Madeline confronts Michael's mentor, Tom Card. The team runs into trouble as they head to Panama to track down an assassin. I want to know who named Tom Card, because Tom Card, and I think we've said this on many episodes, is a stupid bad name to hear so often. Often, and yeah, they say it a lot. Tom Card. Have you talked to Tom Card yet? It's like, he sounds like a Minecraft YouTuber. (laughs) Tom Card? (laughs) Yeah, I'm a Tom Card stan. I mean, I I think it helps that it's like a one-syllable name. Like, one-syllable names are great. Yeah, but the fact that it's Tom Card sucks. It's not, yeah, but it's a boring, boring name. But it's, it, but it's like, it's a, it's a, Card is a thing. You I know, mean, it doesn't sound like a name. It sounds like first name, noun. Yeah, it's almost like if someone was named, like, after a fruit or something. Like, if, if he had like, been named Tom Smith, that would have been better. If someone the fact was that named, they specifically like, called him Card is so weird. Like, there is a reason his last name is his is Card, and I want to know it, because it's not clear, and it's very distracting, and it feels like from a very different show. What's the happening? It, be, it would be like if someone was named Chris Cherry. That's a thing. <laughs> I mean, but even that has, like, a nice, like, you know, Chris Cherry sounds nice to my ear. Tom Card. I mean, there's like, people named Card. Yeah, but... Like Orson Scott Card. Right, but Orson Scott Card has some, like, flair. The fact his name is Tom Card. It like, is bad. It's not, bad. And it it's like, bad. it feels, but it feels specific. It's like, it's like, that's not a throwaway, like, I don't know, his name is Tom mm, Card. Like, that's not a thing you just come up with. Like, so it, there's a story here, and I'm furious I don't know it. It does feel a little bit usual suspecty. I have nothing to add to that. Do we want to get into the weeds? Let's get into some weeds. <laughs> this is the fastest intro we've ever done. Maybe it's because last week's episode was like a four-hour recording session. Oh, God. Anyway, let's get right in. Uh, Michael is prepping in the loft when Fee bursts in and demands to know why Michael is working with the CIA, uh, with a spy tip, by the way, teeing up the idea that it's a bad idea for at this particular moment for him to be working with the CIA. Mm-hmm. And Michael says he'll do whatever he has to do because Nate is dead. And then says also the CIA already have more info. Here's the thing about this episode. Mm-hmm. Suddenly they care about Nate. I know. This, this is, is like the one episode. If this episode had followed the episode where Nate died, it would make sense. Mm-hmm. Everyone is reacting like it's fresh. Mm-hmm. Everyone Even is it's reacting been like canonically six months <laughs> of them just fucking around. Yeah, suddenly going we to care. South Carolina and having sex and threesomes. Like what? Yeah, no, it's so weird. But like in a way that I don't think is this episode's fault. No, no, no. I actually really like the way people care about Nate in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like, but oh just, yeah, that guy. But it's just weird how. We didn't care about Nate for so long, and now suddenly we do. Especially in context of the like the last episode of last season and like the first handful of this season, we were so consistently distraught with the fact that Fee's in prison. Yeah, and it felt like such a big, heavy thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's like, it's just, we know that they have the capacity to do this, but the Burn Notice writer's room hates Nate so much that they didn't bother until, like, liking Nate was convenient for some emotional pulling. And it's like, what's, what? Kill him later in the season then. Yeah, I... It had to have been a scheduling thing. Or it have had him, to have been Or a have scheduling. him, like, be in a coma, not dead, and then when he died, because, like, you know, there's at least a little bit of hope, so, like, we're hunting down who shot him, but then when he, you know, right. burp, like, he dies, and now it's like, all right, well, now I have grief. Like, you can you can push off the grief if he's not dead yet. Yeah. I don't know. But it no, they weird. killed him. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck was going on. Someone, I don't know if it was him, I don't know if it was Anson, I don't know what the fuck was going on, but they're like, we need to wrap everything up now. Mm-hmm. We need to get rid of Lawrence Stamil, we need to like... Yeah, it just, it feels very rushed in yeah. very confusing ways. Yeah, it's so unclear. It's like they were figuring, they were trying to figure out what Endgame was, mm-hmm. and they had to like figure it out on the fly, and we're using Nate as, like, a placeholder. Right. But then, like, they got stuff together, like, oh, shit, we have to set up some stuff now. Mm-hmm. Well, what? so the other weird thing about this is that, similar to last week's episode, it feels like they forgot that they all work for the CIA. Like, last week they were like, what do you mean he has to work for the CIA? Even though, like, three episodes previously she signed a paper saying, I work for the CIA. But also, has not the entire show of Burn Notice been about Michael getting back in with the CIA? And then... He does that, and that's what this the last, like, season and a half has been. Like, Lawrence Samuel was his CIA contact. Just because Lawrence Samuel isn't there anymore doesn't mean that Michael doesn't still work for the CIA. So Fee's, like, surprise and anger that he's working with the CIA is so confusing. Because at first, they weren't investigating Nate's death because they assumed the CIA would do it for them. Then they find out that, no, it got pushed to the FBI, and then the FBI was pressured to shut it down. So, like, isn't this good that he's bringing the CIA with resources back into it? I just don't understand why she's so upset. And she Michael was, works for the CIA. This is a CIA, like, thing that happened on their, like, and watch. What's, of course he's, he works for the CIA. What are you talking about? This whole episode acts like we're in season two. And we're having the argument again about, like, we shouldn't work with the CIA. We should just be on our own. But then... Fee went to jail implicitly saying, I'm on your side, whatever you want to do, I will protect you. I don't want, like, your life to get fucked up by me. Then they get her out of prison, and we just reset, like, four seasons. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. And she <laughs> this talks is about... not a bad season, but what the fuck is happening? I'm starting to think it's a bad season. But, like, the individual episodes have been pretty good. I mean, not for a while. Well, yeah, it's been a, it's been a couple of weeks. It's been yeah. a couple of weeks, guys. Although we have enjoyed the episodes. They just don't make any fucking sense. No fucking sense. Anyway, Michael goes and meets with Tom Card, a.k.a. Dr. Cox, Now that who, now that Pierce is gone, is like his CIA contact. Uh, and so Dr. Cox explains that they have a ton of cool CIA computer science, and they've used all of it to find the guy who killed Nate and get video footage of him. They found Tyler Gray, which that's also a name. Yeah, it Tyler sounds like Gray. a child. It sounds like a second grader. Like, Tyler no, see, Gray has been missing for seven years. No, to me, Tyler Gray, I think Gray now forever just has shades of gray put onto it. Oh, so, interesting. Like, Tyler Gray to me sounds like a Dom. Like, oh, but like, weird. not like, but like, like, not like a real one, like a Fifty Shades of Gray one, like a fanfic character. Oh, like, for me, Gray is like, Someone from Miss Peregrine's school for ghost kids or whatever. Like, I see Grey as, like, a very, like, moody, like, sad boy emo. I think, I think if there was something else, but I think it's the Tyler that makes it for me, where it's, like... But but Tyler, for me, is, like, such a kid's name. I mean, Tyler is kind of a kid's name, but I think, like... I've never met an adult named Tyler. But I think there's, when they're talking, but if there is an adult named Tyler Grey, but that's why, because it feels fanfic-y. It feels like... A name that, like, a young person picked for an adult. So that's the thing I'm getting from it. I'm getting fanfic from it. In any case, Tyler Gray, we have spotted We have found him. Like, after, again, adding to the sense of being rushed, like, the CIA finds this guy who is impossible to find. Off screen. Off screen. In between episodes. (laughs) and, And there's a whole scene that's just, like, John C. McGinley explaining, we have such good computers that we found him. Mm-hmm. Like, it was really, really hard. A lot of people put in a lot of long nights. It was really hard, but we found him, so you don't have to go through all of that. Yeah, they, they really lay it on thick. And I think now, looking back at what happens at the end of the episode, perhaps this is a performance. 
Because it sounds like it's yeah. fully a setup. Yeah. And also, not for nothing, but I think I was right. The CIA killed Nate. I mean, I, we'll, get to, we'll talk about this. I think my this. version is better than what they're doing. Okay. Because Lawrence Daniel, we have an actual pre-existing relationship with, and it would be a complicated sort of inversion of like what yeah. they did to Jesse a few I mean, seasons ago. that's the thing they're trying to do. Right, but, but I don't like, give a shit about Dr. Cox. I know. He just came out of nowhere and was like, hi, I'm the new Lauren Stamuel. And we're like, no, bring girl, bring the girl back, please. And we'll talk about it. Um, okay, no spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> the episode implicitly you had to have watched. Anyway, but they have found Tyler Gray. And at this point, I knew that something was up because Tyler Gray is played by a nobody. Like even No, that's a guy. I've seen, I know that guy. I recognize him. He's, I mean, he, he's, he's a guy but he's not like a guy he's not a guy in the way that like john c mcginley is a guy or like um simon escher is a yeah guy. exactly like he looks like a guy that you cast to play like someone not someone who's in charge of anything like he's not like a marquee name card tells him that tyler gray is in panama but the cia can't give michael a team because no one can know about this mission that doesn't already know and he explains that like yeah, I'm using resources right now, but they think this is about something else. Mm -hmm. Like, if it gets out that we're doing this, then that's a problem. Because, like, right now, these minions just do what I tell them. And it's like... it's like Right. Well, and also, we had pre-established that, like, this whole situation looks yeah. really bad for the CIA. So, like, exactly. they were instructed not to, like, seek it out. They were just supposed to brush it under the rug. So the fact that they're actively still, you know, investigating might be a problem. So it gives card cover to say, like... Some card cover? Some card cover for... Yeah. Everything is fine, but shush. So the only people who can do this mission are, like, obviously the gang. Mm -hmm. And also another guy named Brady something, I wrote it down later, who was the guy who was in charge of the Anson mission. Or at least, like, the getting him, like, the actual procurement of Anson. Oh, yeah. Um, and who feels really bad that that whole thing went down bad. <laughs> and so he wants to be involved as well. I, it's confusing that he was in charge since wasn't Lawrence Daniel in charge? It's, yeah, it's very unclear. I think, like... I mean, obviously, we're tying up loose ends, quote-unquote, and yeah. for whatever reason, I think Lawrence Samuel must have gotten, like, cast on something else. I almost certainly that's what happened. You know what? Her. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually look that up, because, like, that feels... It feels like she should have been, and they were writing her like she is a character that we're gonna see a I'm lot of. I'm curious if originally it was supposed to be her, considering what happens to this guy at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. This guy really wants to help, so he's going to go with them to Panama. Michael's not happy about it because, like, he doesn't want to work with anyone anyway. Michael goes to Madeline to tell her that he's going to Panama to get Tyler Gray, the guy who killed Nate. And Madeline is not happy and wants to know who to call if things go wrong. And Michael gives her Dr. Cox's secretary's number. And then they have a legit emotional scene like we haven't had with them in a while. They have like one of those kitchen table scenes, which were like one of our favorite things about the first half of the show. Mm -hmm. Like, And it was a good scene. And like, as soon as I saw that she didn't have her hair gel in, I was yeah. like devastated. I was like, oh no, I'm about to just be destroyed. And like Sharon Glass, Glass, I can't believe I've been saying her name wrong for I years. I can't believe that you've been saying her name wrong for years. Sharon Glass acts her ass off and she talks about how this is everyone's fault and she says that she was Nate's mother and she was supposed to protect her from Michael, which given their history is really fucked up and like <laughs> genuinely really good scene. I mm -hmm. and yeah. it's like one of those really great like Madeline and Michael scenes where yep. they're both elevating each other. 100%. And it was like the sort of thing that like we have been waiting for to like, in terms of this whole Nate thing, mm -hmm. like, we're finally doing all the work that they should have done right away. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's wild that it takes this long to have this scene. Exactly. This instead, should have been the first scene we Instead saw. of that one scene where she just, like, no and slaps him or whatever. Right, and then we yeah. don't see her for three episodes. Exactly. It's so wild. Also, confirmed, Laura Samuel didn't have anything else going on. Like... She didn't do anything for the rest of... The only things she did during 2012 were burn notice and, like, uh, a couple of small, like, th like, things. Then the next time she shows up is in a 2013 episode of The Mentalist, but it wasn't a regular. It was just a single episode. I mean, then she had a recurring part on Scandal over the course of two years. And then some other, like, one-offs. And then she's in Complications in 2015. Also with um, Matt Nix. Uh-huh. 
So I don't even think maybe she was just maybe tired. Yeah, I just had some life stuff or yeah, something. Yeah, because she did not need to leave for career reasons, oh. which is a bummer. Yeah. Maybe maybe she was having a kid. I had that thought, but I didn't want to say it. Well, she has two. She has two kids. It's unclear when they were born, though. Yeah. Anyway, the the gang arrives in Panama. Oh wait, hang on. Her last name is pronounced Stumily. Stumile. Stamile. Stamile? Oh, oh wow. fuck. Lauren Stamile. We've Lauren been pronouncing her, wrong, her name wrong the whole time. Stamile is a hilarious way to Stimile say it. Stamile is, ri- is I'm Italian a lot and I think that's hilarious. That is a lot, yeah. Fuck. Now I Sorry. feel bad. We've been saying her name wrong for so long. <laughs> Sorry, Miss Stamile. <laughs> anyway, so the gang arrives in Panama and is not impressed with Panama. And they also meet up with Brady Pressman, the guy who's running the op, who was the one who fucked up last time, and they are similarly not impressed with him, especially Fee. Fee does not like this guy at all. I am also legally required to report that this guy playing Brady was on the wire, and he played a guy who used to be a gang member but then stops up a boxing gym. But, like, I have to say it anytime <laughs> anyone from the wire shows up on Burnett. What's the which wire? Is, which is... Really quite often, it's a wild how many people from The Wire have shown up on Burnettis. I mean, I feel like people who are in that kind of, like, style of, like, work tend to just sort of go... Like, this is why I've seen fucking Jason Bly, Alex... Carter? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely Carter, because I cannot pronounce his last name, his other last name. But, like, yeah, the fact that he shows up in so many, you know, episodes. Like, if you go to IMDb, like, he's always, like, agent this person, you know, FBI, special agent, blah, blah, blah. It's like they're they're all typecast as just guys who do action-y stuff. Yeah. So, makes sense. But, yeah, anyway, much like a former gang member putting together a boxing gym, we get a montage of them setting up an abandoned building to put together their home base in Panama. Mm -hmm. And then we get a good old-fashioned James Bond cue scene as Brady just shows them all of their cool guns and explosives that they're going to have for the job. It's like a really extended scene of like, we've got this gun and we've got this gun. And we've got this amazing scope that isn't even on the market yet because it hasn't been officially approved, but I thought you guys might like a preview. And as they're doing this whole thing, I'm like, I can't wait for them to have like a piece of duct tape and a pencil and that's how they have to solve this. And I'm like, I know what you're doing, Craig. I like it. Yeah, I think this is fun. This is exactly the shit I'm looking for out of a burn notice episode. Yeah, no, I wasn't quite sure what they were doing. It became it becomes very clear later what they were doing, mm-hmm. but like it's a fun thing that they're doing. Yeah, I like it. Anyway, in the middle is Fee gets pissed because Brady is gonna be hanging back in the home base and calling the shots and not getting involved, which like Michael does this all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, this is one of those episodes where they need they like want to write Fee being emotional but they don't actually understand how to write women. And so Mm -hmm. they just kind of make stuff up. Well, and they also resolved all of her plots. Exactly. Like, here's the thing. I feel like they are really underestimating how useful it would have been for Fee to feel as much guilt as Michael, frankly, should be feeling over the fact that Nate is dead. Like, this happened because they were trying to get her out of prison, because she was a weak link, because, you know, all the way back to what actually happened, like, she got emotional and tried to kill Larry, and he harnessed her getting emotional and violent to have her kill lots of other people and, like, give Anson leverage. Like, the only reason Anson has leverage is because Fee, like, got too violent. And so that's a thread already that they've been dropping a lot, which would have been a really interesting exploration of a character whose whole thing in the intro is, should we shoot them? But the other part of it is that, like, Fee, we know how close Fee and Madeline are, and we know how upset Madeline is. Yeah. And it's weird to me that a lot of this is filtered through Michael, who doesn't have emotions and clearly doesn't give a shit that his brother is dead unless he's in front of his mom. Whereas I feel like we could have been using Fiona so much more. So in this case, it's like more about her projecting like how guilty she feels yeah. on the CIA. That would be an interesting thing. And that's not what they're doing. No, exactly. it's not what they're doing at all. But I feel like they yeah, could get a lot something. They could have gotten so much more leverage out of that. It's like they they need her to be emotional. They need her to be upset and angry and kind of like not want to do this. And they have a motivation that they just don't use. Instead, they go back four seasons and pick the one that she used to be mad about for no apparent reason. Right. It's very, yeah, it's dumb. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so Fee leaves. And then there's this very weird montage. There's multiple times in this episode where there's like a montage with fades. Yeah, with fades. And sometimes the frame of the montage is like... 
it, not fully the frame. Do you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. like a black outline that like appears in the middle of a shot, but like it's not outlining an, a new shot. It's like extending like stylistically. Yeah, it's Do you weird. Know what I mean? It's a very weird, like these last two episodes were edited like classic Burn Notice where yeah. it's just like absolute chaos. And like last week that made sense. This week, it makes way less sense. Exactly. Especially since this is like a movie director who has done things. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, and it's like there's there's this like weird moment where they want to sell that like they're planning for a long time. Mm -hmm. But like they don't want to say any of the plans. So it's just these slow fades between very similar shots of them just being like, and then we're going to do this. And then you're going to go through here a little bit later and like and then I'm gonna jump on this thing and then fade 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 yeah, it's so has a hard weird. time with time it like, does not just in this and like showing the passage of time but also even just like emotionally tracking where everyone is over the yeah. course of time it's like how long has it been since Nate's dead who cares was it yesterday maybe was it six months ago also equally likely you know yeah it's like but they could have just faded out mm-hmm. they could have said this is what let's plan or in cutaway mm-hmm. or do something but again it's this weird montage of just like and it's like there's enough that's being said that you can listen to it mm-hmm. but like not enough that you can follow it which makes it slightly infuriating yeah it's it's very strange anyway so next morning uh michael wakes up to find fee forlornly staring out the window bathed in golden early morning light and he walks up to her and tells her, tells her that she's beautiful. And she says that she's thinking about Ireland, obviously. <laughs> and then she says that this is pers- that this whole thing is personal and the CIA shouldn't be involved in the Nate stuff because this is between them. Mm-hmm. And that they shouldn't be doing it with the government, like, watching them because they owe it to Nate. And it's like, again, the first time that we're treating Nate as, like, a thing... That we care about. ...at all. But also, it, it is weird because this... Motivation doesn't really make sense for her. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's just, it's weird. Yeah. They just need her to be out. But not even for a reason. Like, it's not like at the end she's like, man, I'm sure I'm glad that I have the CIA. I think it's just like, I guess they're giving her the inkling of like, maybe the CIA shouldn't be trusted. But like. Yeah, but I don't. Why? Yeah, there's nothing. We gain nothing from this. No, we don't. Um, It just adds unnecessary conflict in the early time. It doesn't make any sense and has no stakes. It seems There's no like, stakes to this anger. It seems like they just had to pad for a lot of time in this episode. That's what it feels like. There's a lot of, like, some of the character stuff is, like, genuinely really good. Mm-hmm. And some of it feels like it's padding for time. Sure. That, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, they get interrupted from their reverie by Michael noticing a suspicious electrical truck outside and realizing that they're about to be breached in a minute. So he rouses the others, including a shoeless Jesse. Jesse is, like... M- Says very importantly, like, I don't have shoes on. We have to go now. <laughs> and it becomes a runner. Well, um, we don't learn this yet. I, I don't think yeah. we learn that he's not wearing shoes until they yeah. get out of the building. Of the building like, if he yeah. noticed at that point, he could have ran and got, got his in shoes. shoes. But yeah, no. They're told that they have to leave now. So they breach their way to the roof with the help of... And with the help of a makeshift ramp, they jump across the roof onto another roof. And Michael has just enough time to see Tyler Gray and take a couple of pot shots before escaping. Mm -hmm. It looks like he's partially like badly injured and then it never comes up again. No. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he gets hit or if it's just like hits the car or whatever. Well, he gets, he gets hit when he's, cause he, he, he holds off one of the mercenaries as Mm -hmm. the other guys jump across the building and like does kind of get it in the shoulder. It looks like, and Mm -hmm. he's like limping when he jumps across to the building but then as soon oh, as Michael. He's, yeah, Michael. Oh, they meant Tyler Gray. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Tyler Gray's fine. Michael yeah. gets injured, but then it never comes up again. Well, it does briefly. Does it? Yeah, I think we'll get to it. Mm, I didn't notice that, but okay. Anyway, um, they regroup elsewhere, and Brady takes stock of how many of their giant, cool arsenal of gadgets they managed to take with them. And in great contrast to the James Bond scene from earlier, they've got practically nothing. Mm-hmm. They've got a handful of guns with a couple of rounds for each, and the bullets and the scope for a rifle, which they do not have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he the he seems really bummed about this specific rifle because I think yeah. he bought it, brought it like specifically for Sam, and was like, "Sam's gonna love this," and Sam's yeah. like, "I love this," and then they don't actually get the rifle. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, he's real... No, he feels like he's trying to be the professional here. <laughs> like, his whole his whole vibe in this episode is that, like, I'm a straight-laced professional, and, like, y'all are doing some nonsense. 
<laughs> Which is frankly fun. It is fun. No, he's good at this. I like this guy. I like this actor. He's yeah. like, he's doing he's, a good job. He's kind of a weird add to the mix. But yeah. I like him. I'm like, I don't know who you are or why you're here. But I'm, I'm not unhappy with it. No, yeah, I'm not either. Anyway, so the gang decides the best play is to attack Tyler before he gets to them. And so Sam and Jesse make plans to scout the area while Fee turns rifle rounds into bombs. And Brady is incredulous. Mm-hmm. So after a brief bomb-making montage, Michael says that he misses Ireland too. And Fee says that she doesn't need Ireland because she's happy working with Michael now. And them making bombs and shit is how it should be. Mm-hmm. But like, and I like this scene a lot too. This is a really good Michael and Fee scene. But again, it feels like they're having the conversation that we were fucking sick of from three seasons ago. I mean, kind of. I don't understand why we're retreading this ground again. I mean, it, I don't know, because I think like, it's, un- okay, this is the thing. Because after this, Michael tells Fee that after after this gray shit, he's done with it all. Which seems very confusing to me with what it all means. That's because, what I was like, just about to ask. Yeah. Like, what does he mean? Because it's one thing to say, like, I'm not going to pursue the CIA anymore, which feels yeah. abrupt. It yeah. would have. I would have liked it for him to become more disillusioned with them once he's back in. And like again, we can use the Nate problem, at, like the yeah. Nate death, as like a yeah. I'm disillusioned by the CIA, and I like just doing small time things. But then he does say, "I'm done with the CIA. I'm done with it all." So I'm like, "Well, Michael, I know we have a season and a half of burn notice left." But it's also so. so what does it all mean? Especially because Fee's like, "I like working." Exactly. Together. Like Fee just said, "I like doing this," mm-hmm. and it feels weird of him to be like. Um, okay, cool, because I'm done doing this. And then she's like, you mean it? And she's, like, excited. I do, like, I think they play this scene really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like, good acting. Yeah, and I do think, the like... context is nonsense. I do like her saying that this is good. Like, I like her saying, like, fuck Ireland. I like this. Mm-hmm. I like that part of it. It is, yeah, but it ends in this weird note where it's like... Yeah, I don't know yeah. what's happening. It's very annoying. Like, I'm... I like this episode. This episode has a lot of fun, like, action stuff. And I yeah. like seeing our friends improv. And I like Jesse being pissy about not wearing shoes. And, like, there's a lot of fun stuff to like about this. And I like where it ends because that, that gives me a lot of excitement for, like, the back half of this season. Like, yeah. I think there's a lot to play with here. And yet, <laughs> yeah, how we got here is so confusing. It's like, did you guys forget that there were, like, five episodes in between this and what sets this up? What are you doing? It's like one of those things. It kind of reminds me of that other episode that I really liked that was like also a finale wherein like where I argued that like it wasn't the episode's fault that the tee up was bad. Mm-hmm. So I think like this episode mostly works, but like, and a lot of the problems with it are the fact that it is at this point and like the context of leading up to it is not great. Yes. I don't think this is that good an episode. Yeah. But like, I kind of... I, I'm with you that a lot of structurally it's not the episode's fault, but there are details that are this episode's yes. fault that weren't brought up at all <laughs> that like set up would have helped with, but wasn't ultimately necessary right, to yeah. land. Anyway, so then we get a very clever beat that I liked where Michael explains in voiceover that sometimes you give information to someone you trust, and they, but they use it in ways that you did not intend. You kind of think it's going to be about the Tyler Gray stuff, but it, actually it's Madeline mm-hmm. calling a meeting with Card. <laughs> and she arrives and she asks, asks Card about Nate and he says that it's classified. And she says that she will tell everyone about the secret off the books Panama mission because I know that what's going on. And he's like, well, fuck, okay. <laughs> so yeah, Madeline just like looks at him dead in the eye, her hair all done up, and is like, "I am blackmailing you in your own fucking office." While you people will... watch, <laughs> you, I will take you to hell with me, or you will give me the files on Nate. And so he sits her down with the classified files. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Jesse, Sam, and Brady scout out the mercenaries who attacked them, who Brady has learned are called Los, Los Hermanos, which don't really matter, but mm-hmm. they are. They find the Los Hermanos base and decide that the best play is that they snatch Tyler before he arrives at the gate. Because once he gets in the base, they're not going to be able to do anything. And so they can snatch him on this one street corner because it's guarded by, like, one guy. And Barefoot Jesse, I think, has a plan. Mm -hmm. So Jesse steals a car 
and drives up to the one guard and pretends to be an American who doesn't speak Spanish and is looking for gas. He tells the guard to come up to the window, at which point Jesse tells the guy in Spanish that he doesn't need gas, thereby assuring that Jesse gets points for not being redundant this week because we all know that Michael could never do that. But also, it, it, he didn't need to. Michael yeah. could have also just, like, not spoken Spanish and then got the guy to come to his car. Like, Jesse is only speaking Spanish to flex. Yeah. He's not actually doing it to further the con. No, exactly. It's great. It's just, like... <laughs> No, I, I guess love. that part of it is, like, not redundant, because it's, yeah. it's a flair that Michael would never. I mean, I was mostly just joking about the fact that Michael can't speak Spanish. I mean, yes, true. But yeah, so at which point, like, uh, he actually speaks Spanish and then grabs the guard by the arm and just drags him, like, on the side of the car down the street into an alley, mm-hmm. um, which is very fun. I did enjoy this. Yeah. And then in the alley, Brady and Sam help knock him out. At which point, Jesse steps out in his bloody socks, looks at the guy's shoes, and asks if anyone thinks they would fit him. Yeah. Uh, like, as Jesse is, like, pulling... As as soon as the guy is knocked out cold and Jesse steps out of the car, I literally said in unison with Jesse, what size do you think this guy's feet are? Yeah. Literally at the same time, because I knew exactly what beat they were going out of. And it doesn't make me like the beat less. Yeah. But, you know... And it turns out they don't quite fit, though, because when Michael and Fee show up, like, he's had to cut the tips off and is, like... And has, like, duct taped them a little bit. Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's a funny gag. Yeah, like, his toes are, like, sticking out of it. Like, he does definitely watch him duct tape them because, like, when they arrive, his toes are just sticking out the front of the shoe. <laughs> it's really good. Anyway, so Fee and Michael lay out the plan. Fee is going to go get Gray's attention. Um, Brady is going to take out the windows and Michael is going to take out the guys in the truck while Sam drives the getaway vehicle. And Sam doesn't think that Michael should do that because he's injured. This is where it comes oh, up. It was, but it doesn't super matter. But it doesn't matter because it doesn't actually come up. Yeah, but like... yeah, it's, Just because it's mentioned doesn't mean... That, like, remember when the first season of Daredevil came out and we were all really impressed about yeah. the, the fact that yeah. like, Matt Murdock's injuries make it into the fight choreography and have like a fundamental, like, you know, effect on how he is able to do his vigilantism? No, yeah, you're right. I'm just saying that... Don't injure Michael Weston if it doesn't matter that he's injured. Yeah, it doesn't end up mattering at all. I don't know why it's a part of it, but I just wanted to point out they did mention it again. Anyway, Michael assures Sam that he's going to be the one that grabs Gray, and he's going to be the one that pushes him in the trunk. Yep. So then we cut to Madeline and Dr. Cox, and a scene that's, like, a little too overwritten for its own good. Yeah. He asks her if seeing the file was enough, and she says no, and she asks him, since he knew Michael and trained him... How he and Nate turned out so different. And, and then, like, the implication is kind of that, like, Nate is a fuck-up. Yeah. And, like... Michael is a competent person. Yeah. Yeah. And Dr. Cox goes into wise mentor tone. hmm Like, real second, like, real... Listen up, newbie. I'm gonna lay some realness, like, Dr. Cox mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and goes into this way over-explained metaphor. Yeah, they're laying it on that really Michael, thick how great Tom, of a guy Tom Card is. Yeah, that Michael and Nate were both bla- blast bottles that broke differently. It's actually a decent metaphor, mm-hmm. but like he goes really into the detail about the way that the bottles shatter mm-hmm. and how some of the one bottle breaks all jagged and one breaks into little pieces. And it's just like, we get the metaphor. You can just say they're bottles. Glass bottles break differently, well, and that's it. once again, it's like we're wasting time, because, like, we have to spend yeah. all this time setting up, like, reminding yeah. you, like, Tom Card's such a good guy. And I yeah. think that this kind of ladders up to what you mentioned about, like, Lauren Stamile, where if this was her, we wouldn't have to tread oh, so see, much water, and we'd have more fun. Or maybe that's not what you're meaning. But for no, me, no. it's like, this would be more effective if it's Lauren Stamile, who's like... I was he, saying that Lauren Stamile would be Brady. Oh, see, I'm thinking... My thing still is that, like, who the fuck is Tom Card who gives a shit if Lawrence D'Amelio is the one that's, like, sending them on the mission and, like, consoling Madeline and is, like, kind of one of the guys at this point, and then the heel turn happens. I feel like that would have been way more effective. I mean, yeah, I think, like, I, there's no way they would ever have done a heel turn with Lawrence D'Amelio. I think that would have been fun. Yeah. Well, that, that my original pitch was that yeah. it wasn't, it was an accidental heel turn, and yeah. she kind of has to do the thing that Michael and everyone does in season four with Jesse, where it's, like... I'm going to help you, but I can't ultimately tell you that the reason that you're angry and that, like, this horrible loss has happened is because of an action that I took. Right. 
I think that would have been more interesting. But I would also have been interested in Lauren Simula heel turning. I think that would have been cool. It would have been fun. Correct the mistakes of Trisha Helfer's past. This is true. And then Dr. Cox explains that, like, breaking made Michael into someone who was always going to be, at heart, a little kid who wanted to protect his mommy and brother. And so anyone who Michael has ever helped, she helped too. I think you skipped over the part where she asks if it was the right choice to stay with her abusive husband. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because that's an important piece of context for this conversation. Right, exactly, yeah. Madeline asks if staying with her abusive husband was the right choice, seeing as how it made Michael and Nate turn out different and, like, how they turned out. Mm -hmm. And then Dr. Cox explains that Michael... It made Michael into someone who was always going to be, at heart, a little kid who wanted to protect his mommy and brother. And so anyone who Michael has ever helped, she helped too. So once again, it's like, yes, it's good that a traumatic thing happened to him, because look at what it made him do. This is that classic burn notice Exactly. It's like, they kind of understand trauma, but they can't, like, they don't have any insight to it beyond this idea well, which it's is a very capitalist it's a very capitalism way of looking yeah. at the world where it's like instead of going back and fixing the world so that you wouldn't have to be traumatized it's like well the trauma the trauma is a given so if yeah. you're going to be trauma like traumatized you may as well use it productively unlike Nate who deserved to die right <laughs> or even just like there's this I, this thing that people do with trauma where it's like if it's not useful then you kind of deserved it no, not, not even that necessarily. Just, like, it like has to... I mean, that's part of it. But, like, it's also just, like... People have to, like, spin it in such a way so that it means something. Mm-hmm. Versus so it's just like, being a bad thing that happened. Exactly. terrible and it shouldn't have happened. Yeah, exactly. And it's, like, it's not a thing that made you who you are. Like, you, like there's this idea of, like, the trauma, well, it made you who you are. And, like, as a coping... Me- this was, like, a coping mechanism that people would do for a while mm-hmm. of, like, trying to say, like... Well, at least you got something out of it. Right. To try Uh, and like salvage some level of self-esteem now. Exactly. And like that's a valid and valiant effort. I mean, it is a thing that I feel like that's very problematic that like is an idea. I think like if an individual wants to like kind of have that narrative about themselves, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But like when it becomes the like kind of default narrative, which it was for a while. Right. And it is the default narrative that Burn Notice uses about trauma. Yes. To like, it's just... I will say, I think I do like the way, and especially considering the eventual heel turn of, mm-hmm. like, Tom Card, like, I do like the way that, like, he sounds, like, really hollow saying it. And he kind of, like, I do appreciate it at the end. He's like, that's all I have. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, like, sort of the implication of, like, yeah, that sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, I've got literally nothing else. And I feel like a better show would acknowledge that there's nothing else. And, like... And again, I think it plays a little better considering eventually he is going to be a bad guy. So it's okay. Like mm-hmm. It's okay that his understanding of trauma is yeah. not great. Exactly. That he's like spouting this bullshit. But also this has always been the bullshit that like Burn Notice. And so it becomes this thing whenever we have, there's so many episodes of Burn Notice that have this thing. When you have a really great scene with like Michael, a really great scene with Michael and Madeline where they talk about trauma like i think like the show has a decent understanding of the things that trauma does to people Mm -hmm. and so it can have these really compelling scenes about that but it has such a like unfortunate pat answer Mm -hmm. that like it just needs to not have so you have these episodes that are equal parts compelling and frustrating yeah when they focus on it I mean, it, you know, it's it's a thing of, like, there's always one bad guy that's the real problem. It's not the institution. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, well, trauma is bad, yeah, but your personal responsibility is to, like, use it to fuel you. Right, yeah. Anyway, so Michael and Brady are about to do the snatch and grab, and Michael tells Brady that he doesn't have to do this because it's not personal to him. And then Brady tells a story, literally he begins with, let me tell you a story, (laughs) about how his dad was military and was killed in action, and how when he turned 18, Brady went into the military to find the guy that killed him. And so that's why he's helping Michael. And so when I was watching this episode, I was like, Okay, this guy is either going to die or betray them. Mm-hmm. There's literally no other option. And actually... I assume it's going to be die. Yeah. Like, I thought maybe... The only reason I thought betray was that the guy playing Tyler, Tyler Gray is too small of a name. Like, is too is small. Is this guy of, a bigger name? I mean... Because I've never seen this guy before as far I mean, as I know. Like, 
I think they're similar names, but again, this guy was on the wire. Oh, see. <laughs> like, I think I'm, they're like... I don't know what that is. So. Yeah. I, but it's also just kind of like, the guy they've cast as Tyler Gray is the type that they cast when it's when they're like a stooge or like um I mean he looks like, exactly like Victor who looks exactly like Garrett Dillahunt if Garrett Dillahunt was not Garrett Dillahunt well, the thing is that, and he looks the thing exactly is that Garrett Dillahunt is Garrett Dillahunt right but like literally Tyler Gray looks like every other guy that they've cast as like a half season villain I don't see I don't know if he does I think he looks a little more generic they all look generic I think like, the thing about Burnout is that they all look the fucking same. I know, but the thing is, like, especially they have a beige now, beige stamped clone tool that they put on every other person that they hire. But I know, but the thing is, I think that's the lesson that they learned, and that's why, like, you suddenly got Anson and what was the other guy? Vaughn. Vaughn. Like it. It feels like whenever they want someone who's like actually like someone who is a big deal villain, they go with like the generic a little less, like. Victor was, like, season two before they kind of learned their mistakes. So it feels like, at this point, having a guy who's just, like, this guy feels less like he's the guy to me when I was watching it. And so I kind of thought that, like, maybe it was going to turn out that, like, Brady was actually Tyler Gray. Mm -hmm. Or Brady was going to die. And I'm now, because it's interesting, because they have to, at the last minute give Brady this backstory. I mean, they don't. No, no. But the thing is that they do that, which does make me think maybe he is replacing Lawrence Demille. Because, like, she has a backstory. But so, like, in order for, like, them to do all this stuff, like, I'm saying they were going to kill Lawrence Demille and then decide to not go. Or she had to leave or something. Hmm. Interesting. I wish they would have replaced her with another woman. I mean, yeah. But also at the same time, they would have replaced her just to kill her. Yeah, but yeah. at least we'd still have another girl. That's true. It's like, burn on us, we have plenty of guys. Frankly, too many. But it's yeah. raining men. And I'm done with it. It's no longer hallelujah, hallelujah for you. Because yeah, it's like another dude doesn't add anything. It's like, oh man, another military another dude. dude with like a traumatizing past. Like, right. I don't know. Fucking give me anyone else. Yeah, I know. It does feel, it really feels placeholder-y. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this whole, I didn't even remember this scene. I now remember it as you recapped it, but it's like, this guy is nothing to me. Yeah, and like, but he has to be something because, again, he's either going to die or betray, betray them. Mm-hmm. So then they grab Tyler Gray, but then they, well, they, try to, to they try to grab Tyler Gray, but when Michael throws a flash grenade in Gray's Hummer, like, Gray uses one of the mercenaries' bodies to absorb the explosion as the driver make a break for it. And which is legitimately like kind of fucked up. And yeah, I was like, oh, super yeah. fucked up. Yeah. And so Michael and Brady get in like their other car and drive after him. And so they find the Hummer overturned and get out to inspect it, which is dumb because this guy is a sniper. Right. It's like very obviously a trap to get sniped by the sniper. Right. But and they all just like climb out of the car. Yeah. Well, and once again, I feel like if this had happened earlier in like post Nate. And, like, it would make sense because everyone's kind of, like, emotions on high. Like, yeah. Nate just died. Like, Michael's feeling a lot of guilt. Fiona's feeling a lot of guilt. Like, everyone is just sort of... And Brady is feeling a lot of guilt because apparently he's part of the reason why things got fucked up or exactly. whatever. It's, like, so, like, their guilt can fuel them. But at this point, like, they, they've had, like, you know, a year of therapy. And, like, they've really moved on with their lives. And now this is sort of a perfunctory, like, well, we got to get the guy. Right. So, exactly. like, it doesn't feel motivated that they're this sloppy. Exactly. Anyway, while they're while they're looking at the Hummer, Brady gets shot in the leg. Mm-hmm. Michael ties his leg with his belt and says that they need to get him to a hospital. But Brady tells him that he'll be fine. Leave him alone. They should go in after Gray. And at this point, I was like, it could still go either way. This guy could still betray them mm-hmm. or die. <laughs> Meanwhile, Michael calls Dr. Cox and tells him that he's going in. And Cox is like, no, you've already got a guy with a serious injury. And Michael says it's the only shot. And he has a plan and hangs up. And the plan... It's just have Fee and Jesse move to a place where they can, where the sniper has to pick a sm- specific sniper perch so they know where he is, mm-hmm. and then climb up the other side of the building and then get him. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah, it's clever. Yeah. yeah, this leaves Brady all alone. But Brady's like, I'm fine to be left alone. And again, at this point, I was starting to lean into betrayal because <sighs> like they left him alone for a very long as time. As soon as they left him alone, I was like, this guy does not matter at all. I yeah. fully will not commit him to memory. 
Anyway, so Sam and Fee run to the other side of the building and hide behind some barrels that just that turn out to have a ton of gasoline in them. And Gray shoots one open and gets like a puddle of gasoline going. And so if he can get like a spark to go off, he can blow them up. Right, but like this world-renowned eight-foot-tall sniper apparently is a terrible shot. Like, we see from his POV at a certain point, it's like, there's so much fucking gasoline and he can't hit it. Like, he shoots, like, several times. But it seems like he's doing cover fire rather than, like, specifically, I want to shoot this gasoline to kill them. Yeah, it's unclear if that's... And it takes a while for Michael it, to get up there. So It does, like, it's How did you weird. not make any connections? Unless, like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on with that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Michael hurries up the other side of the building and rappels into the room where Gray is sniping from, just in the nick of time. However, Gray just laughs because he's obviously not the main guy. And then he says that Dr. Cox is behind everything and that this was supposed to be a suicide mission for Michael and co. Mm -hmm. And then offers him proof. He tells Michael to call Card and tell him that Gray escaped. And he says, well, Card will tell you to stay put and not pursue. And so Michael calls, and sure enough, Dr. Cox pretends to have guys on the ground tracking Gray and pretends that they caught Gray, mm -hmm. even though he's looking at Gray right then. And Michael is heartbroken. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, to add insult to injury, Dr. Cox is like, I'm proud of you. <laughs> and then Gray is like, yeah, that's I knew he'd say that. Yeah, Gray's like, did he say he was proud of you? Yeah, he does that. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so that's all. I'm curious what Gray thinks is going on. Like, does Gray know that he is also going to die? Or does Gray assume that they're going to kill Michael before they get to him? Because it feels dangerous for Gray to be posted up somewhere alone with Michael and co. Like, I feel like Gray's best bet is to just run away. I don't know. I like Because it feels like he is putting himself in a position to get killed in what is... A drone I, strike? I think the thing was that there wouldn't be a drone strike. Yeah, I think, if, the, well, the original plan was obviously, like, Gray would roll up on their safe house and kill them, but exactly. Michael happened to notice the electrical truck. So I think at the point where, like, Gray is, like, laughing, it's like, I'm gonna die laughing. Got it. Yeah. Then we get a sequence. Again, another weird sequence with fades. Yeah. Um, well, because we're still kind of killing time, because now that we know, we just need to, like, add more insults to the injury. Exactly. So, we're in... Uh Card is talking to Madeline about how much he cares about Michael and how he's like a son to him. And it's intercut with Michael and co escaping, including uh, Gray. They grab Gray and they escape from like this building and get into a car. Right is like a fighter jet blows up the building and then chases the van that they're in like in a, like a fighter jet. And so they all have to like abandon the van that they're in. But then Brady decides I'm not going to abandon the van. I'm going to keep on driving so that like I can get blown up and that everyone thinks that Michael's dead. And so it turns out he was just going to die. And again, I think it was going to be Lawrence Demille. That's interesting. I think that's what it was. It had to have been. I mean, that's quite the sacrifice to make in that moment. Like for anyone, even Lawrence Demille. Yeah. No, it really maybe, is. Maybe it would have, like, we wouldn't have had to waste so much time establishing a backstory and we could have been, like, having her prepare to, like. Exactly. That's interesting. Yeah. I see what you're saying. That would also have been good. I like my version better, but I like your version better than what they're actually doing. Exactly. It really does feel like, I want to know, I feel like something happened this season that they were not planning for. Like, yeah. Behind the for scenes. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This definitely seems like, you know shit happens and they're doing their best. And like yeah. that, I completely empathize with. Oh, like totally. I completely empathize. I still think they could have done a better job with their dismount. Like they, they are not living up to the burn notice gang sort of like when we improvise, that's when we're at our best. Yeah. I feel like for the writers, that's when they're at their worst. That's true. Which is too bad. But I think that's kind of why burn notice is like, like the way that it is, mm -hmm. is that like, they are working really hard to create exact conditions so they can simulate people who are good at working at any conditions. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so the episode ends with um, Card getting a call saying that the deed is done and Michael is dead. And the gang watching Brady in the car burn. <laughs> and Sam asks, now what? And that's how the episode ends. And that's the mid-season finale. Yep. Uh, Sam has the, the new worldview that I do. Remember? Yeah. What? Just, now what? Now what? Not instead of what if, it's what now. Yeah. Me and Sam Max are the same. Exactly the same. And let's talk spy tips. Let's talk spy tips. All right. With a running start, the average adult can jump a distance of about 10 feet. 
The trick to clearing bigger gaps is raising your launch point and making a jump at full speed. It's all about maximizing your momentum, which can make a difference between a safe landing and a date with a pavement. This feels like something I still wouldn't be able to do. I definitely, I feel like I would die. I would, but I yeah, feel having like, to run uphill even a little bit, I feel like would slow my momentum. But I mean, like it would, you would get more. I think like, but you would definitely, if you ran full speed without a ramp, you would just go over that. Like you, like, cause the whole thing about it is that like you, as long as you're moving down, you're also moving forward. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. yeah from, from a higher point is, is definitely better. It's just yeah. the way that it went. I mean, this is a fine tip. I just yeah. am like trying to imagine myself jumping I mean, and feeling I would really die. bad about myself. I would die no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way. Like, <laughs> I am never ever jumping from one roof to another roof. That's never happening. Like, even if they're like not that far apart, I'm not doing it. Oh, I would do it. Oh no, I'm. I would just die. Mm-hmm. I just know I would die. You would just stand there and be like, Take I, me. Tyler Gray, you can have." I me. feel like I would. I can jump two feet. <laughs> But if I work really hard, I can jump two and a half feet. Great. But Uh, this is a fine tip. Yeah. We're just useless. Exactly. If you're building ammunition to shatter reinforced glass, you need something harder than buckshot. If you don't have a handful of diamonds lying around, spark plugs will do. The ceramic casings are nearly as hard. Once you've dealt with the glass, you have to deal with the people behind it. A serviceable flashbang grenade can can be made from a soda can filled with aluminum shavings and gunpowder. Not as, sta- not as stable as military issue, but still packs a hell of a kick. <laughs> I thought I was going to say punch, and then it said kick. Mm-hmm. I think this counts as two. Like, I think your com- your argument from a couple of weeks ago was compelling. Yeah. That, like, if we were not just copy and pasting from the wiki, like, lazy, dumb bitches, yeah. we would have made them two. All right. We're saying this because... If that was one, then there wouldn't be enough spy tips. Mm -hmm. It is a popular misconception that guard duty is all about watching for people. In fact, people are usually lower priority than vehicles. A well-trained guard will focus first on keeping the road clear and monitoring conspicuous cars in the vicinity, which can give you a great excuse to get up close. The tip is confusing, but this works out. Yeah. And I think, like... Because, like, I, what I took from this tip is this guy should be more suspicious of a car. Yeah. <laughs> but it was also kind of like, if you're driving a car, he's going to go right to you. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, that's that's what I realized the tip was about. What I yeah. assumed the tip was about is that yeah. a car will be very suspicious, so they won't notice if you just walk yeah. up. Setting up a snatch and grab requires having the right pieces in place. You need a lookout up high, a driver in the getaway car, and someone to create the distraction. Then you just have to wait for the target to show up. If this feels borderline it's specific but also kind of obvious yeah and like um have a lookout and a getaway driver like what new are we getting from this i think like to me the reason that i kept it was that it made it seem like it was just like this is the complete list it's like less than like any one piece of those things is new it's just like these are the these are the things that you have to have type thing. You know what I, I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, the conciseness was... of, like, I don't have to really think about and make up my own, like, checklist. Exactly. Like, Burn Notice has made me the checklist. Yeah, like... I'll allow it because my... I think this is a good episode of Burn Notice. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, a lot of Burn Notice tips just say, like, setting up a snatch and grab requires having the right pieces in place and then not going into more detail. That's fair. You Whereas, know what? like... I'll give it to this one because I didn't mind this episode yeah. despite the fact that, like, it's all over the place in terms of motivation. Right. Uh, well, then that's five tips. Yep. Barely. Barely. On, like, the most technicality of technicalities. Uh, question. Is this episode's uh, case solved to spycraft over violence? I don't know. I mean, the fact that they had to improvise, like, after being downgraded from, like, Q's room of magical tools to, like, No Shoes Jesse and, like, a handful of scraps... Yeah, that, there's some stuff there. There's some stuff there. Yeah. It's interesting that this episode, the B-plot is Madeline's case. Like, yeah. there's not a case of the week. It's Madeline having weird, like, metaphor talks with Dr. Cox. It is weird. Because <laughs> usually one or the other of the plots would have had, like, 
its own set of spy right. tips and yeah but no it's it. just i think it's partially why they had that one bit of voiceover to set her up was mm-hmm. like so we could have some reason voiceover. why we're spending so much time with her and dr cox exactly <laughs> yeah i mean but i th- i think that they they use spycraft and they they manipulated the situation yeah. to reduce the amount of violence they'll take that yeah um, there's no alias in nope. this episode. Everyone is who they are. Yep. Well, was Dr. Cox's alias a good guy? Here, here's what I think. Mm-hmm. I think his alias is Tom Card because he's clearly just Dr. Cox. <laughs> yeah, no alias. He's giving the same performance that he gives as Dr. Cox. He does. He does. So there's no alias, so are at least two supporting characters used well? Does Fee get to blow something up or be the co-protagonist? Yeah, Fee, Fee made bombs. There was a bomb building montage. Yeah. Yeah, no, that counts. Yeah. All right. Does Sam get to be peak Bruce Campbell? I mean, I feel... he gets excited about the sniper rifle and, like, his goodies, but yeah, not, not really. It's not enough. He doesn't make a big impression this no. week. Is Jesse a distinct addition rather than a redundancy? He does get, like, the only joke runner of the episode. Mm-hmm. And, that and is speaks fun. Spanish. And he does speak Spanish. Yeah, I think that's enough for Jesse to be a distinct addition. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, finally, does Madeline get a genuine emotional moment with another character or get to do the case of the week? Arguably both. Arguably both as well. So, yeah. Yeah. So this is, for the first time in almost six weeks, a great episode of Burn Notice. Hell yeah. It's about time. Yeah, it's been a while. Still yeah. no yogurts, though. Still no yogurts. We've been on the run a bit. Now. <laughs> hey, Bree. Hey, Quentin. You're not Quinn. I'm not Quinn. Usually Uh, when somebody says, hey, Brie, it's Quinn. That's fair. (laughs) Especially in this bedroom. Is this a good episode of television? Is it a great episode of television? What is this? Is it anything? Is it anything? I mean, no. No. Like, it had the, it it was, there was stuff stacked against it because this should have been the episode immediately following Nate's death. Like, there should have been none of the middle investigation. Like, the the whole investigation was completely unnecessary. What should have happened was they know who the killer is, but not why, and then find him and then realize, oh, something else is going on. Like, literally, you could have just had the the episode where Nate dies Mm -hmm. and then open up and then have, like, Tom Card being like, we got this footage of him. Exactly. Like, yeah. literally, this episode could have been six episodes ago. Exactly. But it's not, which is just confusing. It's just a waste of our time. Like, I feel like the past couple of episodes have been a waste of our time and a weird tonal whiplash to, like, the death of his brother. It's, yeah. And it's unclear why. Even if it was, like, they, they had to write Lauren Stam- Stamile out, like, they could have done that, too. They still didn't need her. Yeah, yeah. I guess they, they were like, we have to write her out. I mean, she got just... ri- wrote, written out like midway through yeah. this. I mean, I feel but like you could have fired her at the end of like, Nate got killed on her watch. Yeah. Or you could have. She fucked it up. Or you could have blown her up. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's things you could have done. It's very weird. I think, yeah, I genuinely don't know what the fuck was going on here. Mm-mm. Which like, is too bad. Cause like, I feel like this, this season started really strong. It did. Like, we had, the first episode was a great episode of television. The fifth episode was a great episode of television. Like, we had a handful of great burn notice episodes. Like, it felt like we had some good momentum going in. And then Nate died and everything went off the rails. They just didn't know what to do. They really didn't. So, yeah. No, this is this is an episode of television and that's fucking it. Well, it's a great episode of television and a great, or it's, a, it's an episode of television that happens to be a great episode of burn notice barely barely but it does but it does thanks to science or it is thanks to science that it does definitely super uh, objective yeah the objective science that we do here on burn common noticed has upheld for another week for yet another week so now i don't know what the fuck's gonna happen i am i will say like i'm excited for what comes next yeah because this seems fun where michael has essentially faked his own death with the rest of the crew and they're stuck in panama and like now are against tom card which i find to be much more interesting than on the same side as tom card i think dr cox works better as a villain in this universe oh totally so I'm excited. I am excited about so that. So I have high hopes that they will be able to recover from whatever the fuck acid trip we all went on the last six weeks. Yeah, I do think this is all a really good cliffhanger. I do too. I did, at the end of this episode, legitimately want to watch the next episode. Me too. Yeah. I'm excited. 
but none of that for now. We'll have to like do that next week. So. Yeah, we'll 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 check in in on. Hang on, I just want to know what date this is coming out. This is episode ten. This is episode ten. Yeah, so we'll check out on January twenty fourth, uh, which is one week from my thirtieth birthday. The next episode you will be hearing on my thirtieth birthday. I can no longer say to Chris, "Well, I'm just somebody in my twenties." <laughs> I can't. I can't hold that over her any longer. Devastatingly, but Devastating. not now. But I, I'm really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so all that's left to do is to thank. Once again, thank Vincent E.L. for our theme music. If you want more from Vince, you can go to vincentel.bandcamp.com. Otherwise, just bye. Bye. Just bye. I feel like this episode would have been more fun if there was like just a little bit more horniness. I, I feel like they should have seeped some of the horniness from last episode into this one. Yeah. And it would have been a lot more fun. You're thinking that Michael and Fee should have fucked? No, I'm thinking that Brady and uh, Sam should have fucked with like the 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 rifle that they kept talking about in the foreground. Yeah, no, that's it. Like it's I a... want it to be a thing where it's like it's like a rack focus where first we're focused on Brady and Sam in the back and like the back of the frame and like as they start to like lower to the bed, we rack focus to the gun and fade out. Fade out. <laughs> <laughs>